Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. Well, happy Sunday, friends. A couple years ago, this show came out that absolutely took over the world. And the show was called The Mandalorian. And The Mandalorian was this race of people that was found in the Star Wars galaxy. And we found out later that the story takes place after like Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia and Han Solo. They've saved the world and they've vanquished the empire and the empire is run to the outskirts of the galaxy and the mandalorians are this race of people that were bounty hunters you would hire them to find people you would hire them sometimes to kill people it's it's kind of their role in this society and everything as we're following the story of this mandalorian everything changes when he gets this one bounty and he goes and he he finds his target, but his target happens to be a baby. And this baby ends up taking over the world in its cuteness. It's Baby Yoda. For those of you who watch the show, I know that his name is Grogu, but that was a mistake on their part. They should have just let us keep calling him Baby Yoda, right? It was just the cutest little thing. And if you've been on the internet at any point in the last three years, you have seen a picture of that big-eared little baby Yoda, and it's just the cutest little alien I've ever seen in my life, right? And so everything changes, and we're we're following this story of the Mandalorian as he's trying to like protect this baby now, and instead of it's just really it's an interesting, cool story if you like sci-fi stuff. But what was really interesting about the Mandalorian we see him interacting with some of his own race, this almost extinct group of people. And there was this phrase that they would use to kind of like solidify each other. Even if they had differing opinions on how things were done, there was this one phrase that connected them. And this phrase has become kind of the like anthem of the show. But this phrase, it spoke to their beliefs. It spoke to their way of life. It spoke to their moral code, and it also spoke to them connecting to this bigger idea, something bigger than themselves. And when they would see each other and they would talk about things, as they finished the conversation, they would say, this is the way, right? Those of you who have seen the show, you see it all over the place. This is the way. And what's interesting about that for you and I, maybe you aren't a Disney fan and you don't really care anything about Star Wars, but there is something really interesting that I think we're going to talk about in this series. Because around AD 30, AD 33, there was this ragtag group of people who were seemingly almost extinct. It was just this tiny group of people in this one place that were connected by their beliefs, by their way of life, by their moral code, by their connection to something that was bigger than themselves. This ragtag group of people, you might know them as Jesus's disciples or the apostles. They were led by Peter, James, and John as they spread the message 
of Jesus. They were, this message was spread to the Gentiles and, and all over the world through the works of a guy named Paul who used to be a Christian killer. And this idea of, of Christians, that feels very familiar to you and I, but really that term came from the, the Roman government and the leaders of that time, seeing this group of believers united, revolutionizing their communities, doing things that no one else was doing. They, they saw them and they started to call them Christians or those who are with Jesus, those who belong to Jesus. But that group didn't call themselves Christians. Actually, they called themselves the way. Isn't that cool? I can imagine them just sitting around the table as they finish praying, this is the way. They didn't do that. I, I promise you they didn't. But it, it's just fun for us to imagine, right? But where did they get this from? Why did they call themselves the way? It's found in John 14, verse six. And this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And he says, Jesus explained, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes next to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know my Father too. And from now on, you will realize that you have seen him and experienced him. So why, why is this important to us in March of 2021? Well, a few years ago in, in 2018, the Pew Research Center discovered something really interesting. They discovered that 90% of the United States believed that there was a God or some kind of higher being. 90%. That's staggering, right? 90% of our nation believes, well, I mean, there's gotta be something up there. I think a lot of times we imagine that the majority of the world doesn't feel that way. It's, it's not true. Even people who don't believe in Jesus, they believe there has to be something bigger than this. Yet somehow our lives, our churches, our families, it doesn't really line up with believing that there's a God. There's this overarching being. There's something bigger than ourselves. We, you would think our lives would look different if that's what we believed. And it's a, a challenging and eye-opening thing for us because there's a term I came across many years ago and it stuck with me. And it's this term, a Christian atheist. And right off the bat, you're like, those are two opposite things. But a Christian atheist is this, look at this on the screen. A Christian atheist is someone who believes in God but lives as if he doesn't exist. That's hard to swallow, right? They believe in God. They believe that there's something out there, but they live as if he doesn't exist because nothing looks different about their lives. Nothing looks different about their way of life. Nothing looks different in their thought process. And this must have been around for thousands of years because the apostle Paul actually addresses this in his letter to Titus in the New Testament. Check this out. Titus chapter 1, 15. It's true that all is pure to those who have pure hearts, but to the corrupt unbeliever, nothing is pure. Their minds and their consciences are defiled. But look at this, verse 16. They claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. 
They are disgusting, <laughs> disobedient, and disqualified from doing anything good. Well, why don't you just tell us how you really feel, Paul? Like, this that's harsh. But uh, it's important for us to see that here it is. Way back in the day, way in the beginning of this movement, way in the beginning of the way spreading throughout, there were people who believed in God. But their actions, the way that they lived, actually denied him. There's no way that you could say you believed in God, but yet you still acted and did the same thing. So there's a truth that you and I are going to wrestle with in this series. Look at this truth on the screen. Before you can experience the fullness of God, you have to decide to be all in. Before you can experience the fullness of what God wants to do in your life, you've got to make the choice. You know what? God, I'm all in. The truth about our society is that we have far too many believers who have one foot in the door and one foot out. We've got far too many believers who, who believe that there's a God, but they live as if he doesn't exist. And there's some important things that we're going to look at over the next few weeks to help us discover more about who we are and, and what this relationship with God is supposed to look like and, and discovering some more of our purpose in there. But it starts with us recognizing and evaluating in our lives, am I all in? Or am I like far too many other Christians that I want God's blessings, but I'm afraid to jump in headfirst. I'm afraid to give it my all. There's a, a passage of scripture in Ephesians. This is, this is what God wants to do in our life. This is, this is the offer that's on the table if we truly surrender. Ephesians 3, starting in verse 18. Then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Man, this sounds amazing, right? Verse 20, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. Look at this. I love this. This is, this is important for us to recognize. This is what God wants to do. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Yes, yes. If that's what someone's offering me, yes. that I, I say yes every time. But somehow we don't. Look at that. Again, God wants to achieve more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, exceed your wildest expectation, your wildest imagination. God wants to do incredible and powerful things through your life. But we've got to be all in. When you see that, when you see that that's what's on the other side of the table, that God sits down and he goes, hey, I'm offering you this. How is it that so many, even people who call themselves Christians, they're not willing to sign their name on that line? They're not willing to jump all in. How could you believe that that kind of God exists, but live as if he doesn't? 
as we dig into this over the next month, you'll you'll realize what it takes to be all in. You'll recognize what in history and what Jesus is calling us to and, and what he's wanted to do through your life all along and the incredible things that can happen. And my prayer is that by the end of this, you won't allow fear or doubt or insecurities or scrutiny from the people around you to push you away from what's going on, that you'll be able to look those things in the face and go, eh, this is the way. That this is the way I want to live my life. This is the way that I want to connect to Jesus. But today it starts by us identifying where we are. And I believe there's, of course, people who are in between these and all over, but I believe there's three main categories that people kind of fall into when it comes to their relationship with God. Look at this, the first one. It's those who believe in God, but don't know him. They believe in God, but they don't really know him. There's, there's something out there. And, and here in California, everybody believes there's something, whether it's crystals or just good energy and vibes, everyone kind of believes in something. They believe there is some kind of God, some kind of being, some kind of overarching thing, but they don't have a clue. They don't know him. They don't know the God that we know. They know enough to, to somewhat look religious, right? They, they have good-ish morals, do enough things that, like, I'm not a bad person. No one would ever qualify me as a bad person. They will go to, maybe they go to church. They go to church sporadically and they have a couple experiences with God, but really it's not anything that really changes them. And it's also a group that can easily compromise on their values. A group that if there's a good enough argument, if there's a good enough opportunity on the other side, they would, they would compromise the morals or the standards. They would compromise in order to, to kind of get ahead. And listen, if that's you today, I want you to understand that Lauren and I, we started this church for you. We started this church because we wanted to help people who know that there's something out there. We wanted to help people who wake up in the morning and go, there, there's got to be more to life than this. We started this church for people just like you who wake up and, and, and it's just like, what, in, what on earth am I here for? Why am I here? What is the reason? That's why we started this. I want you to know you have a seat at our table any day, anytime. Any questions, any fears, any pushback, you are invited to come and hang out at the table with us because we are here to just share with you what God has done in our lives, to share our story with you. And hopefully it connects you to him in a way that you've never been able to connect with him. That's the whole reason why we're here. So if you fall in that category, please don't hear this and think that there's a judgment. We're here to help connect you to the God that created you, that put you on this planet, that right now is breathing breath into your lungs and has an incredible, powerful purpose for you. So that group, those who know there's a God, but they just don't know him, that's one of the groups. The second one is those who are informed about God, but not transformed by him. They're informed about God. 
They know some things about God, but they're not transformed by him. Look at Galatians 4, starting in verse 8. Before we knew God as our father and we became his children, we were unwitting servants to the powers that be, which are nothing compared to God. But now that we truly know him and understand how deeply we're loved by him, why would we, even for a moment, consider turning back to those weak and feeble principles of religion as though we were still subject to them? Why would we want to go backwards into the bondage of religion? Can I be honest with you? Just, just blunt. This group may be one of the most dangerous groups in our society. Why? Because they know just enough. They know just enough about God. They're informed just enough. They know just a handful enough scriptures to justify a lot of different things. They know just enough about church. They grew up in it just long enough. They, they have a handful of experiences that they can really, really convince you that they know who God is, but then they behave in some ways that it just doesn't make sense. You've met those Christians that you either ask them out loud or you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, did, didn't you say you're a Christian? Like, why are you acting that way? How, how could you believe that? How could you do that? How could you be associated with that? How could you really think that that's okay with, with God? Like, this is really, really confusing. And the truth is about this group, they know enough about God to have some really, really jacked up theology. And they're really comfortable sharing that with other people. And it just creates this confusion where the God that I see in the Bible, this God that wants to do these incredible things, doesn't really line up with the people who say they know him and say they love him. And, and would identify themselves as Christians. That's what Paul is saying here. He's like, yo, what are you doing? Why are you going back to those old ways? Why are you using God in this way? What? Paul would call them false prophets. He would call them people who needed to be called out and go, yo, you are off base. This group can be really, really dangerous. What does it look like for someone who may fall into that category? How do they, how do they stumble into that where they, they are informed about God, but they're not transformed by him? They haven't allowed him to have access to every area of their life. I think this group, some of the attribute, attributes is that they'll do whatever it takes to kind of alleviate their guilt. They're doing something and they, they feel guilty. So they'll justify it or they'll do something that, that we'll see here. Many of them, they compare and they gauge their morals based on other people. Well, I'm not as bad as them. I mean, did you see what that person did? Did you see how they live? I'm not that bad. I'm, I'm surely a better Christian than they are because I mean, <laughs> whew, did you see what they did Friday night? Did you see what they posted? Did you see what they shared? Did you see what they liked on social media? Can you believe that they, right? We know those people. Oh, man, we hate it. But we know those people. We know those people. And it's like, ah, they're informed, but not transformed. They want to avoid hell, but they're not really willing to fully go all in and give God access to everything. And the truth about that group is many times they only turn to God when they're in a bind. 
maybe you find yourself in that group and you're like, oh man, you're stepping all on my toes, dude. What you doing? Calm down. I'm just, I'm just saying, look at this truth. Many Christians want the benefits of God, but not the commitment. They want the benefits of that relationship, but not the commitment. It's almost as if, could you imagine if you had a friend that they got married and they really just got married because they wanted the tax benefits and they wanted to get a little bit more money. They're going to have some kids and they get some tax money from the kids and, and they, they just do that. But they're going to keep their Tinder account open and they're going to sleep around on their spouse. I, I just want the best of both worlds, right? I mean, I, I, we're married and we get this and, and this works out in my favor and I look good in, in the eyes of my boss because I have a relationship. But really, I'm not being committed to that relationship at all. I'm just kind of doing my whole thing. Like if we had a friend that was doing that, we would slap them. We'd be like, what? what are you doing? That is not what you're supposed to be doing in a relationship. But somehow in our relationship with God, we feel like that's okay. I want the benefits, God, but I'm not really committed to you. Hey guys, listen, if that's you today, please understand that I'm not communicating this in some way that's supposed to make you feel guilty. God isn't the God of, of guilt and condemnation. God is just saying, hey, I've got so much more for you. I've got such a greater plan for your life than you kind of be halfway in, halfway out. This, I want the benefits, but I don't want the commitment. God is just calling you today to go, hey, I need to time out and recognize that I'm not really being all in on this relationship. God has called you to a relationship. It's not transactional. It's not, oh, let me do some good things and, and he'll bless me. Let me live the right way. Let me raise my kids the right way. Let me do some, I just don't want my kids to be jacked up. Like my family was jacked up. Like I just want to do, God's going, don't you understand? I have so much more for you than that. I'm calling you to a relationship. What seems like a boundary right now is actually a blessing in disguise. God wants to help you navigate your life in a way that connects you to a deeper and a greater purpose than you could ever imagine for your life. We just read it earlier, what he, what he offers us when we're all the way in, when we surrender it, when we make him the Lord of our life. Do you understand what that means? Like we say that all the time, oh, yes, Lord, and we're praying. Like Lord means to rule over, to have control, to have authority in our lives. When we surrender that lordship to him and go, hey, God, you're the leader. You're the man. You're the driver. Like I am, I am with you all in. He does incredible and powerful things in our lives. Let's look at the third group. The third group are those who know God intimately and serve him wholeheartedly. They know him intimately and serve him wholeheartedly. Now notice what I didn't say. I didn't say they serve him perfectly. I didn't say they serve him without question. They serve him without any doubts and fears. They get it right every time. I did not say that. And that's not actually what God is looking for. God is looking for someone who serves him, who surrenders their whole heart to him. He's not looking for perfection. 
Some of you, you feel like, man, I, I got to get my life right before I can really, like, if I can get everything in order, then I can be a real Christian. What? That doesn't make any sense. It's not at all what God wants. God wants desperately for you to give him everything you have, all the flaws, all the insecurities, all the jacked up places in your heart and your mind, all of your, your doubts about the future, all of your doubts about him, all of your doubts about why he didn't answer this prayer and how he didn't show up this way. He wants all of that. He wants you to put everything on the table to push all your chips to the center and go, God, I'm all in. Take it. Do what you can with this. And God goes, that's exactly what I've been waiting on. I'm not looking for perfect. I'm not looking for your skills and your talents. Don't you understand that God is saying to you, I created you with those. You're just, I don't need you to be something. I created you. I know exactly what you are. I need you to be all in and surrendered to me. John 14, where we read Jesus say, I am the way, I'm the truth, I am the life. He continues on talking to his disciples in verse 12. And Jesus says this, I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. Even greater miracles than these because I go to be with my father. For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. And that is how the son will show what the father is really like and bring glory to him. Verse 14, ask me anything in my name and I will do it for you. A lot of times people hear that and they're like, oh, okay, so if I just pray in Jesus' name, then it's going to happen. No, 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 no. Jesus is saying is as we are connected to the Father, as we, as our hearts and our lives become more like him, as our viewpoint on life starts to aim the way he does, when we pray in his name, he's like, yes, let's go. I've been waiting on somebody to line up with me and, and give me the opportunity to say yes. So this is not just saying, Jesus I really want a Tesla in Jesus' name. It ain't going to happen. I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe, but probably not. Verse 15, loving me empowers you to obey my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me. And he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him. But you will know him intimately because he will make his home in you and will live inside of you. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm sending this Holy Spirit that's going to live inside you, be inside you, be a part of the fabric of your life. That there will be moments where you hear a whisper. There will be moments where you feel a tug in your heart. You will hear a voice in your head speaking words that you're to share with other people. The, the Holy Spirit is there connecting you with your Father, connecting you with Jesus, connecting you in a way that no one outside could ever understand. And I think a lot of times as Christians, we expect people to understand this, that it's weird and strange that we think that there's a spirit that lives inside of us that connects us to a heavenly being. That's hard to comprehend until you've experienced it. And once you've experienced, guys, when you've been all in, when you connect yourself with what God wants to do, when you lay it all on the table, once you experience that with God, it's hard to, to surrender your life to anything that's less valuable. It's hard for you to give control over to something else because it's like, man, 
Every time I give it all to God, every time I surrender, every time I buy in completely, man, my life looks so different and so powerful in the stories I tell and the way that I impact people's lives. And, and my purpose is so real and so fresh in the morning when about, I put my head on a pillow at night, I feel so fulfilled because I accomplished what God wanted me to accomplish for that day. There's nothing like it. There's no experience like it. And God's going, hey, will you give me that chance? Will you lean in? Will you for once be all in? And the challenge that we have to ask ourselves, you'll see it here on the screen, is in a conversation with God, ask God if you and him have a religious affiliation or if you're in a genuine relationship. That's a hard prayer. Hey God, am I just going through the motions? Am I informed about you, but I'm not transformed by you? Hey God, are we... Are we in this like affiliation with each other that like I know you and you know me and and we we say that we're really good friends, but we really haven't talked in several months. And right. You've got friends like that. They're like, oh, yeah. My best friend, Susie. Yeah. Yeah. In your mind, you're going out. Oh, we hadn't talked in about six months. But yeah, that's my girl. We're so tight. Every time we talk, it's like this great connection. And you're right. There are friends that we have that with. But God's like, yo, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that friend that once we finally start talking again six months later, that it feels good and it's okay. No, I want to be that every day. I want that connection with you every single day. You see, Jesus is calling us to be a disciple. Jesus is calling us to be like the way, the people who... It just did extraordinary things in their community. They changed the fabric uh, and their leaders and the rulers of the day had to look at them and go, who are you people? There are stories in the book of Acts where these religious leaders and these, these even Roman leaders are going, these dudes are just fishermen. How are they communicating this? How are they? It's like they're trained and been in school for years and decades and like, how are they doing that? It's because they were all in, guys. They were all in. They said, we want to be a part of the way. We want to connect people to the way, to the truth, to the life. We want to be the people with that. That's how we identify ourselves. We're not anything special. We're just connecting people to the way. So they call themselves the way. A few months ago, I introduced you to this Jewish kind of religious thing that they did. It's a, a fabric of their culture where kids went to school for a certain period of time and then the best of the best moved on to this second level of education. But then there was a special one that was set up for 15 year olds who would hopefully have the opportunity to become a rabbi. And what would happen is, is they would essentially live their entire lives with these rabbis. They were called Talmudims. And these Talmudims would eat with the rabbi and they sleep in the same place as the rabbi. They lived their lives together. They studied the word of God together. They learned everything that they possibly could about how to live, how to lead, how to love God. They learned all of those things from this rabbi, from this experience. 
And when we look at Jesus's life, the way he modeled it, it's exactly that. He took these 12 guys and they walked the streets together and they let they, they lived in the same place and and they traveled from city to city and they Jesus would teach these incredible things to thousands of people and then he would pull them to a side and he would say, hey, this is what this was really all about. Let me pull back the curtain. This is what God is really saying. This is what he's trying to do. And they were taught one-on-one -on -one and experienced this incredible connection with Jesus. And what Jesus is saying to us today is, hey guys, I'm calling you back to that. I'm calling you back to this lifestyle where I'm not that phone call that you make six months later to catch up because it's been a long time and things in life have been really crazy. I'm that friend, I'm that lover, I'm that intimate connection that you talk to me every day, that I share with you what the Father has for you every day. Guys, he's calling us back to this lifestyle of being a disciple. He's calling us to something greater. And what we'll see throughout the series is not only is he calling you to be a disciple, but he's calling you to make more disciples. And we'll get to that in, in, at a later point in the series, but it starts with us understanding we have to be all in. We've gotta be all in. The time for us to be halfway in, halfway out is over. What God wants to do in your life requires you to go, hey, I wanna be in this. I don't wanna just have some blessings in my life. I don't wanna just call myself a Christian. Jesus, I wanna be all in. I want, to, I want my beliefs and my morals and the way I live and my connection to this overarching greater opportunity that you're offering. I want all of that, not just some of it. So it requires you to make the decision. Am I in? If you've never made that decision, it's an incredible opportunity, a, a moment for you to just pray to the Lord and go, God, I've tried to do it on my own. I'm surrendering it. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of, of who I've become. Forgive me of, of trying to do this on my own. Jesus, I need you to be the leader of my life, to be the Lord of my life. I surrender it all to you. For some of you, you need to rededicate yourself to that mission. Rededicate yourself to being a part of what God is trying to do in your life. For far too long, you could identify with one of those first two groups. For some of you, you're so informed about God, but you haven't let him transform you. Now is the time. Guys, we're in a unique season in history. We're in a unique moment in the history of the church. We're in a unique moment in the history of our society. And God is calling us back to becoming his true disciples. And my prayer for you is that by the time we get to the end of this series, you will be able to look in the mirror and simply say, this is the way. I wanna be a part of the way. I wanna be a part of connecting people to the way, the truth, and the life. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, I know there's so much more that we, we're gonna get to. I know there's there's so much that you wanna share with your church, so much you wanna share with everyone who's listening right now, but but we, we know, we understand that it starts with this moment right here. 
It starts with what we talked about last week in our relationships that we plant that flag in the ground and we say no longer will we just keep doing things. No longer will we we passively watch our life happen to us. Jesus, we need to do that same thing with our relationship with you, that we plant that flag, that we'd stop just letting life happen, that we would just, we would stop being informed about you and hearing a sermon and, and reading a Bible verse and, and liking a post on social media that talks about Jesus. Jesus, we need to be all in on you. We don't need to be informed about you. We need to be transformed by you. So I pray right now in this moment for those who are hearing this message, you would begin that transformation that they would surrender it all to you, that they would lay it all on the table and they would say, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm pushing everything I have, my jacked up life, my flaws, my insecurities, my doubts, my everything. I push it to the center of the table and I say, Jesus, you can have it all. And Lord, as we do that, I know that you will begin to transform our lives in ways that we could not even imagine. Lord, I thank you for the example that we found in your life and the example that we found in this ragtag group of dudes that just came together and started spreading your name and started connecting people to the way, to the truth, and to the life. God, help us have a passion and a burning desire to do that same thing. We pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.